0: This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie.
1: This week on the podcast, we're chatting with musician and music educator Aileen Wallace. The Cloud with Melting and Kara Kirsch with To The Sea, two artists that are appearing on Sunday, December 23rd at Cypress Avenue in a special fundraiser for the Cork Sexual Violence Centre, Undivided, brought to you by the Cork Music Community. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie, as well as iTunes, Google Podcasts and other podcasting platforms. My name is Mike McGrath-Brian and this week we're chatting with musician, sound artist, engineer and music educator... Alien Wallace from Bunker Vinyl. Alien, how's it going?
2: Great. Pleasure to be here. Thanks,
1: Thanks a million for, for coming along. You've had a really busy couple of weeks now. You've been uh, around the country recording and mastering in various guises just after a busy summer uh, with the girls rock camps that you're um, that you tutor with. <laughs> Maybe kind of bring us through the last couple of weeks and kind of what you've been at.
2: Um yeah, like it, it's been it's been crazy busy. Um the last six months or so so it's nice to be just kind of a bit more settled back in Cork and kind of tying up some loose ends with projects and putting final touches on things and just like back in time as well for a lot of stuff that's happening around the city musically and artistically it's just I think it's a nice nice time of year for Cork like it's Winter magic and
1: all the Christmas gigs being lined up and yeah. quarter block party <laughs> around the corner. It really is a nice time. We'll talk a little bit about the various projects that you've been pursuing a little bit later on. You know, you've been a- playing music for about you-, you said it yourself there last Wednesday at our Corkalis Music Talk uh, just over 20 years now. Kind yeah. of maybe bring us into how you got into playing music in the first place, kind of the time and place that you kind of fell into the habit of doing so in.
2: There was always. Uh, a guitar in our house that nobody really played I mean my mother played when she was a teenager my my father played like a little bit as well but you know it wasn't a, a big thing mm. but the guitar was always there and you know I'd always just go and pick it up and play it like you know from I don't know every, maybe once twice a year from the ages of 5 to 12 or 13 or something I never wanted to go to lessons I didn't like the idea of it you know I was like no so I just Tip away whatever, and then when I was fourteen, I like I was in love with music. I loved music from a very young age as well. Um, I would have been nine, ten, and you know, listening to Guns and Roses and Bob Marley and Dressing in Black, while everyone else was you know listening to Spice Girls and Take That and Boys Own. Proper rebellion, <laughs> that is. That's how it gets done. It's just what, just you know, what, what I was into, and you know, I was the only kid in my neighbourhood pretty much, like, you know, who's anyway, alternative, yeah, so I was like, yeah, the outcast. Um, But then, yeah, so when I was 14, or coming up to my 14th birthday, I'd been saving and squabbling any little bits of pocket money in here and there, and I remember, like, saying to myself, you know, I, I, I want, I want a guitar, you know, I want to get, I want to get a guitar that's mine, because it was a classical that we had at home, and of course, when you're 14, you don't think a classical guitar is cool. No. You know what I mean? Now I do, but <laughs> back then I didn't.
1: As thing's come in full circle though. That's yeah. what the nature thing.
2: <laughs> and because of the music that I was listening to as well, you know, I just really wanted an acoustic guitar and I wanted one that was mine and I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to feel badass and play guitar. So I thought I'm I'm going to I'm going to buy a fucking guitar for my birthday for myself and I'm going to learn to play and I'm going to teach myself how to play and I just went from there and I didn't stop. I played and played and played and played and figured things out and learned and struggled. And, you know, I was listening to so much music um, anyway that, you know, it it just seemed like so powerfully expressive, you know, everything that I was listening to. And I just wanted to rock out. I just wanted to, like, you know, bash, just bash a guitar and just, you know, just go for it. Like, so so I did. And I haven't looked back. I haven't stopped playing since.
1: And that kind of ties in nicely to some of the educational projects that you've taken on in that you've mm. taken that same mindset that you experienced in your time and kind of brought it forward to at a yeah. time when you needed it. But that leads on then to your discoveries of tape looping and editing and splicing, yeah. uh, which leads you to kind of start investigating noise, drone and the avant garde. Kind of how does one accidentally stumble upon cutting and splicing together bits of tape?
2: I'll tell you. Very simple, out of necessity. Yeah. Just necessity, you know. When your resources are limited, you will you will be innovative, you know, you'll be creative. So my <laughs> my first kind of um, my my first introductions to, to recording were using a series of dictaphones kind of linked together. Uh, which is really, really weird, I know. It's
1: very techie voodoo altogether.
2: Yeah, like I didn't even know, I didn't really know what I was doing, do you know what I mean? But I just had a dictaphone and I had this weird, like cheap kind of, it was almost like a karaoke microphone and my amplifier and then another dictaphone. And I was just doing this weird recording stuff because I was recording, 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 you know? Yeah. Uh, Like recording studios weren't accessible, you know what I mean? Unless you had money, nobody had a, you know, like you didn't record with your computer, you know, it wasn't as common or as easily accessible as it is now, you know, mm. um, you would have needed like a, an amazing computer and a lot of money. And, and back then, you know, we, we all just had word processors like that's, you know, they were like, it was yeah. lucky if, if it had a CD drive. Um, so there, there was no kind of real possible way. And then um, I think it was like 18 or 19 and I got a four track uh yeah, and I I had used one and I had friends who were using them and I was like, This is amazing. Like I have to get I have just I need I need one of these. Like, you know, th- this has to happen. So eventually I got a four track and I was like wow <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Uh so it just led me to experiment you know it'd have old tapes and of course tapes would get damaged and you'd have to cut them and just like when we were kids when we were like our tape got chewed in the tape deck you know what are you going to do you're going to cut the tape and sell a tape back together you know what I mean yeah you're yeah. missing a chunk of a song or a whole song or maybe if you were unlucky that awesome outro of your favourite track on the end you know but uh, but we you know we did what we did so sometimes I,
1: you'd be lucky though and it would cut off DJ Patter at the end you're <laughs> taping off the radio and it just yeah, garbage at the yeah. end
2: so yeah I mean I just did the same thing with my four track tapes and I went oh no I've broken a tape or oh it's damaged and I just started like gluing it together and then playing it back and weird jumps would happen or weird edits and then you start playing with pitch and then you know you start messing around with EQ because it just had two two EQ knobs and it had a pitch knob you know it was it was quite basic basic four track recorder Um, yeah that I still have next time you're in the studio I'll show you I've seen that a few times yeah yeah, yeah there's, there's a few of them lying around
1: at Bunker Vinyl and Studio on Camden Key.
2: yeah so it kind of that's how that experimental kind of process evolved with the tape and then you know the more I did it the more kind of you know I got better at kind of splicing and then I figured oh what if I did this or what if I did this or playing stuff in reverse or you know you didn't really need to play stuff there was no reverse button so you just turned the tape over and mm. play your tracks and it was playing in reverse, and I was like, "Wow, this is kind of interesting." masking um, yeah, it was like, "Whoa, what's happening here?" Uh, and it was just really cool. And then, of course, um, I was mixing everything down to stereo on a mini disc. Eventually, you know, so I had all these tapes, and then I was like, "I have to get this off the tape." And so, mini disc was was the option. I had a mini disc recorder, and yeah, that's how I was mixing down. Um, and then, yeah, when you when you hang a micro, I had no mic stands, you know, back then either. I used to have to hang my microphone, you know, from the ceiling yeah, uh, to record and stuff. And you start picking up sounds and noises and you start like just, you know, making mm. weird sounds and experimenting and stuff. And you kind of go, oh, this is actually really cool. And it's just through trial and error and just... I suppose just kind of going, I wonder what happens if I do this, you know, it's all curiosity, necessity, you know, those are the things. And you start to learn creative techniques and develop your own creative methods and practices. Then as time goes on, you kind of go, oh, wait, this is cool. And then, you know, when I got introduced more to experimentalism, you know, and stuff like that and electronic music, particularly kind of like the stuff that Brian Eno was doing, you know, and reading about you know, people's studio processes and their creative process, you go, oh, I'm kind of, okay, cool, like, you know, people are actually out there doing this. I'm not just a, I'm not just a weirdo sitting here, like, you know, doing stuff with tape and mashing it all together and set of tape everywhere, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, people do this.
1: <laughs> that creates a unique frame of reference then for when you enter formal music education a little bit further down the line where you start with the Toker Music Project and then eventually go on to do a BMO's in UCC. And from having kind of been self-taught on instruments to then kind of developing your own processes over time, you know, what was it like to kind of be confronted with a way of things that for a lot of people was just how it was done, but to yourself might have been completely alien?
2: Um, it's a good question because, like, it, it was alien. Like, it was completely alien. And it was a challenge. And I love a challenge. I really, really love a challenge. But it was challenging in the way that... So I had one way of looking at things and you know variety of practices but I never had to be structured mm. and I found dealing with the structure of a traditional approach to, to music and music uh, learning and education uh, I found the structure the biggest challenge of all that, that was tough yeah. it's like oh <laughs> no <laughs> you know, rules
1: no because you're constricted by nature because they're slowly teaching you the rules, so you could then you can break them again.
2: Yeah, um, I mean it was interesting to to be at that point um, in my life where you know I was self taught in in a lot of my practice. Like I'd studied studied live sound for for a year um, uh, in two thousand and four, and even after that, like you know, in terms of you know music education, there there was none and I discovered um well I was at a brick wall musically I felt like that I needed to grow that there was a lot of areas that I was feeling kind of stuck in and I was like no I need to I need a challenge here I need creative drive and challenge and I want to be a better musician you know how am I going to do that and I said well what about this so I discovered Toker Music Project and Toker Music Project is fantastic um They offer CE schemes for musicians and community employment programmes. And it's just wonderful. You know, you're required to take lessons, to study music and do grades, graded exams as well. So I did. And I went from having no theory um, to having a grade five in in music theory within a year and um, in some instruments as well and that was just it was fantastic I never thought that I would ever have that opportunity you know lessons are expensive and you know take a long time and it could be a struggle and all of a sudden you know this opportunity was presented to me so I just grabbed it and I took it
1: When we come back we'll talk a little bit about Bunker Vinyl and Studio but first let's go to some tunes Aileen you've made the playlist for tonight and we opened up with Gadget in the Cloud and Cara Kirsch two of your own favourite artists in Cork right now but uh, you're taking us in a slightly shoegazier and more psych direction Uh, The Sunshine Factory with Some Kind of High.
2: The first time I saw Sunshine Factory was... uh, It was actually a car community print shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were... That was the first time I, I saw them. And I love a bit of shoegaze. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. Here's these group of young guys just going for it and they're playing shoegaze. And they're great musicians. They've got a great sound. And that's when I was first introduced to them. And they're just getting better and better and better.
1: You also have The Altered Hours with Open Wide from their On My Tongue EP.
2: Yep, another fantastic Cork band um, that I first heard when I was around shortly after I moved to Cork. So I'm in Cork about seven years, maybe about four years ago, I think, was like kind of first introduced to the Altered Hours. Mm. And it was a gig they did. Um, do you know what? I can't remember where. Isn't that awful? It it's was one of their gigs anyway, and I went, wow, wow, like what a show you know incredible energy incredible performers like incredible musicians and I went yeah these these guys are fucking great
1: they really are and you know being such nice people and the fact that they're such good friends as well kind of just contributes to like it's kind of like an anti-mystique that they have about themselves really (laughs) and that's the coolest part of it and that's kind of to me what summarizes uh, cork music more so than anything else we'll get straight into it so this is the Sunshine Factory with some kind of high here On Red on Red taken from their On My Tongue EP. The Altered Hours with Open Wide here on Red On Red, still joined in studio by Bunker Studios' Aileen Wallace. And speaking of Bunker, you know, once you've been in the city a couple of years, once you'd kind of familiarise yourself with the scene, just by chance, one day, while out busking, a lad from Dungarvan comes your way by the name of John Dwyer and starts chatting. Uh, And from there begins a working relationship that, you know, evolves into his vinyl stall over at Mother Jones and eventually the development of Bunker Vinyl and Studio. Maybe take us through how that all came together and kind of, you know, forging a working relationship with John who's kind of regarded as like a really chill dude in terms of facilitating and enabling a lot of cool stuff in the community.
2: Yeah, John John's great. He's got a great attitude and stuff. So we we first met when I was busking, I was a busker. Um as most musicians do to get by uh, we just had a random chat one day, you know, as you do when you're a busker, you know, you just, like... That was kind of more rewarding to me than any kind of, you know, monetary gain from from being out there. It was just the, the interactions that I had with, with people, you know. And uh, it, it can be quite a beautiful thing. Uh, not all the time, but...
1: It's life's rich pageant.
2: <laughs> it is, it is, it is utter pageantry. Um, So, yeah, John had, had a... John was trading in Mother Jones Flea Market and I used to, you know, frequent the market for nice coffee on a Saturday morning and browsing and I used to buy records from John. So we'd chat quite a bit, you know, uh, about music, uh, just about stuff we were into, make from making music to being involved in, in music uh, in various ways. And um, we just struck up a friendship. And randomly we were chatting one time and John was saying uh, you know that he was like looking for looking for property that he wanted to open up a record store and I was like oh it's excellent wow it's a brilliant idea you know wish you all the best it's going to be great you, you can do it and, and in the meantime as well we you know we had been chatting and I was on the hunt for for a studio you yeah. know I had um, I had no like home studio outlet for for several years you know with the basically the entire time that I lived in Cork you know I had a lot of gear in storage or sold a lot of gear so it was it was about time you know it had been like uh, five years or something nearly and I was like this is crazy you know I need to be working on stuff because I was constantly recording I was always recording doing stuff so I didn't have anywhere to teach for one and I didn't have my own studio space you know or rehearsal space and I play a few instruments, but as a drummer, it's quite frustrating when you don't have anywhere to play your drums. You exactly, know? and I'm sure all the drummers can relate to this. It's like, oh. uh, so it was really frustrating. So the more we kind of talked, the more uh, it started to evolve. So John found the bunker, yeah, and it was perfect. And he was like, "Yep, yeah, th- this is the place." You know, happy to have you, happy to have you in the shop, share the space. Um, which was incredibly kind of him um like i couldn't have done it on my own, so mm. uh you know i'm I'm forever grateful to john for for also just kind of allowing this opportunity to to land in front of me as well he's
1: such um, a good dude, and he suffered so much in trying to find a place in yeah. town and it's kind of quite ironic that you know you were talking earlier about this time of the year being really, really nice in terms of town with the quarter block party coming around the corner at that. Uh, the current location of Bunker was of course the first location for the Quarter Collective before they moved over to the Triscoll yeah. so there's that kind of hoodoo in the building about you know enabling creativity and so forth the challenge then that kind of laid in front of you was you know the, the shop if, if anyone's ever been in there the shop is kind of uh, divvied down the line uh, by a big kind of retaining wall And there's a clear line between what's a shop and what's a studio. You know, what's public, where people can go crate diving and talking to John. And then what's kind of an inner sanctum for yourself and John in terms of creating because John is also um, a producer himself under the name Bipolar Beats. Yeah. And, you know, what were the challenges that laid, I suppose, in front of you in terms of taking that space and kind of tweaking it specifically to, you know, a tutorial space that's also a studio, uh, but also, you know, is going to kind of lean in on you know a trading area for music heads kind of what was the thought process behind all that
2: sharing the space like we thought this is kind of this is cool you know Mm. like nobody's doing this Um, let's do it you know we have our our own kind of musical world happening you know and it's it's just a beautiful environment to be in you know but in terms of challenges you know like budget was a thing obviously you know and hard graft as well like it's it's kinda daunting, you know, being an entrepreneur and going out on your own and going, Okay, when you know, there there's no safety net or, or nest egg or, or anything, you just go right, okay, this is happening and now I need to to just be as resourceful as possible. So that was kind of like the the initial challenge was like, Okay, get it done, get in, like, you know. Um so there's still going to be some changes to be made. Um, I'm hoping to to finish the soundproofing by January mm. um, because it's residential. So a lot more work to be done, a few new bits of equipment, um, a few changes here and there. Um, and yeah, it'll grow and evolve.
1: And, you know, the timing is fantastic for the area, particularly because everybody has seen the gutting that took place in the site of the former Camden Palace Hotel. And the community studio in there was very important for a lot of musicians. You know, bands like Quango Delic uh, used to rehearse in there. Uh, Room 101, the digital radio station in there, gave a lot of us, myself included, uh, our first broadcasting chops, really. With that in mind, you have a couple of things in mind for kind of the future. You were mentioning workshops in terms of noise and drone. And also, like, it's your own private, personal tuition space. How do you see that developing in response to the crisis that the city is kind of having at the minute with practice spaces and places to jam?
2: You know, it's tough out there, and with community art spaces just disappearing, just like disappearing. You know, we had to watch them tear down Camden Palace. You know, we're we're right next door, and it was it was it was surreal almost. You know, one day I was like, oh god, this is terrible, and then I think about two weeks later, I was I was just around the corner and I went wait a minute the fucking building is gone you know it's just awful big loss big loss for the city centre
1: how many musicians would have played in those walls so
2: many you know (laughs) so many Um, so I think it's important you know Um, I, I think it's important and I think it's important for the music community as well you know and if I can provide that kind of a space for the community now it's a small but vital space you know uh, it's a small space so not ideal for large bands you know stuff like that but more kind of project base yeah it's ideal um, and you know I also have to come in you know in with this from like the, the entrepreneurial kind of mindset as well that you know if I can create my own work and and uh, variety of incomes while giving back that that would just make me so happy you know what I mean That the people are gaining from this the people you know I would love nothing more to see people go in and out of their like you know someone spend a day in there and create you know whether it's video editing or it's playing drums or they get to try multi-track recording or you know like just people to just have no limitations you know and try it all because not everything is accessible you know what I mean you might be able to get an interface and a microphone and you know, that might be the extent of it. But, you know, if you can use other equipment and maybe you never tried, you know, maybe you're a keys player, but you never tried guitar. Maybe you never tried to lay down your own beat or maybe you wanted to experiment more with recording. It's all there and I'm willing to share what I have. You know.
1: When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some of your own projects personally. But first, we'll go back to some tunes, will we? Yeah. Sound. Go for it. Uh, you've got Kalika with Black and White
2: great like fantastic um, really really amazing tune I met Tiffany through John they're, they're good friends yeah, she
1: was a regular at the stall before and yeah, visits um, the shop
2: yeah she'd come into the shop quite a bit and we just got chatting you know about music and stuff and I was like oh I'd love to hear what you're doing and she said oh yeah this this is it and like oh no, wow <laughs> I was blown away I was like it's pretty amazing
1: you also have the Mountainous Rift Club with I'll Find My Way
2: yes Great band, fantastic band, incredible musicians. Yeah, amazing songwriting, like really, really raw blues vocals from um, from Darren, lead singer. Like fantastic bunch of people, fantastic musicians, you know, and they work so well together. They've got a great sound.
1: Jason, we'll get straight into it. So this is Kalika with Black and White here on Red On Red.
0: To the beat of my own drum Blazing trails to help me to reach the sun Standing tall like a warrior feeling wise I sold my sins, cash them in for a peace of mind But I never sell my soul, never sell it for silver or gold so my soul ever set up a heaven's door.
1: adequately titled Mountainous Rift Club with I'll Find My Way here on Red on Red still joined in studio by our guest this week Aileen Wallace of Bunker Vinyl like you've been a tutor at various girls rock events around the country and you've had the ability to travel to girls rock uh, further afield for those that aren't familiar with girls rock and the ethos behind um, a program designed to empower young women into taking on music Maybe take us through the experience of how you became a tutor and how how the ethos of the program really kind of resonated with your own experiences.
2: In my my own teaching practice, I offer like a bespoke lesson plan. It's all about engaging with the the individual, so so all all lessons are are, are unique to the student, you know, um, and what it is they want to achieve, what their goals are, and no format is the same because. We are all different and everybody learns differently. So it's important, you know, it's paramount actually to have a, a diverse approach. You know, there is no one way to, to teach somebody and there's no one way that, that somebody learns. And I I just kind of like to apply that to my, my teaching practices because it's, it's not about me. It's getting the person from A to Z, you know, in... A way that suits them, they're comfortable, they're happy and uh, a quick progression. Uh, I don't deal with um, graded examinations or anything like that. I specifically didn't want to. There are plenty of places that do that. Uh, I wanted to give something different, a different approach um, to musical learning that's more relaxed, more intuitive, um, and for each individual who who comes from whatever instrument they, they choose to learn or whatever it is they, they want to gain, whether it's they just want to play a few chords or they want to study something in depth. Um, Girls Rock is just incredible. Um, it began in Portland in 2001. Um, it's a not-for-profit organisation. Um, it's global. There are so many Girls Rock chapters all around the world. So I'd heard heard about Girls Rock in the past and I thought it was a really cool initiative um, to bring just musical experience and music education in a different format and to create um, a space to build self, self-esteem self in, in young girls and empowerment through music expression, music learning, music education. I was just online one day and something, maybe it was a suggested post on facebook or something but something brought girls rock dublin to my attention and i went what there's girls rock in ireland this is sick oh sweet and they they had put a call out for volunteers and i thought oh deadly like that that, that's really cool it was their their first year running camp um so again i just sent a message and i was like yo what's up like this is me, this is what I do. I think what you're doing is awesome and whatever. So I filled out their application for their criteria, and was contacted a few weeks later, and it was like, yeah, I would love to come. I have you a camp, uh, be you know drum coach, like you know. And I was like, yeah, yeah, great. Um, so I was like, yeah, you know, okay, let let's do it. Um, so now I'm a member of the Girls Rock Dublin team. Um, we launched. Um, a music tech workshop series back in May that I project managed, it's called Switched On. So it's music tech workshops for women by women. Um, because we all know the gender disparity in the technical world, you know, even, you know, in sound engineering in rigging and crew, you know. I've been on crew jobs, like, you know, like lifting Harris fences around the place and I've been the only woman and it's it's tough, you know. Um, so it's just to, to to bring the more technical side of things as well but uh, the, the camps are fantastic camp runs for a week usually five days um, and campers come They you don't need any previous musical experience um, at all so they pick an instrument they form a band they write a song they practice all week with their band coaches their instrument coaches and at the end of the week we put on a gig and they get to perform their song live like you know and it's just amazing. Um it, it's just an incredible experience for everyone, for volunteers, for coaches, for campers. You know, we, we're all sharing this space and we're all we're all learning and growing that week together. And it's just it, it's it's just a magical experience, you know, it's an incredible thing to be involved in because it, it has such an impact. You know, it has a massive impact on confidence and ability and, and self-esteem, you know. Uh, we give a survey at the beginning of the week and at the end of the week and you know uh, statistics are showing it's just this massive burst in self-confidence you know and it's just incredible and that that's the point you know Um, and everyone is different as well you know everyone comes from a different place and you know and different experience and different background and you know it just unites people in a way you know there, there's no judgment you know there's nothing you're just there for the experience and to share with like-minded people so after joining the, the Dublin team um, I've also been involved with Girls Rock School Northern Ireland um, which is run by uh, Shannon O'Neill in Belfast from Sister Ghost from Sister Ghost they're an incredible band and Shannon's an incredible person Um So we were both in Girls Rock Dublin together as well. So she runs Girls Rock School, uh, Northern Ireland. So they had their first camp uh, last April, which was incredible as well. Would you be looking at Girls Rock Cork now? Uh, Yeah, perhaps. Let's see what 2020 has to however much spare time I have in 2020 let's see what happens baby steps yeah yeah baby steps I have a lot of stuff on for next year already but it's a big operation you know it's a big operation and it's a lot of work
1: speaking of having stuff on next year you'll have your debut release under the marquee of Last Eden uh, dealing with drone after a number of gigs and commissioned sound pieces that you've done for various um, festivals and events up in Dublin um For those of us that aren't maybe familiar with Drone and how sound art came together, we spoke a little bit about your earliest experiences with the genre early on. Maybe take us a little bit into the processes, uh, or lack thereof, that go into putting together something or trying to kind of constrain something that is ultimately uncontainable uh, as pertains to noise and sound art, uh, and maybe what Last Eden is in that respect.
2: Yeah, so... Last Eden is um Last Eden unites my passion for ambient music sound art and experimentalism and I thought I'd like to bring all of this together so I've been been like producing music under the moniker of Last Eden for a very very long time but never never took it live so to reverse back a bit so I spent 4 years at university which as you know yourself is quite t- all consuming um, and I was also a drummer in, in various bands. Um, so I had kind of realised, after being at university and also kind of falling into the permanent role of, of drummer, which, I mean, I, I love drumming, you know, and I do miss it. But um, I, I realised that I neglected my own craft and my own art. I mean, I'm making sound art and, and doing stuff for um, like independent film and whatever. But I kind of went, oh, fuck, like, oh, I totally... I almost forgot for a while that I was a musician, you know, like I was like, I didn't play guitar for years, you know, it, it was very strange. Um, and I thought I really kind of want to just bring it all together now, you know, into into one place. And Last Eden was always about that for me. It was never kind of, um, it was never about performance it was because I was a performer as a drummer you know and you know playing in bands and stuff and so I didn't you know I had that outlet and you know so that never crossed my mind um I just love making music and love making weird fucking noise and stuff and you know seeing what I can create um so yeah the, I love it like the love of ambient music and sound art and uh, what drew me to sound art was obviously like noise, experimentalism the whole lot it all kind of coincides I'm a shit painter <laughs> I'm shit man I can't paint like and I really want to paint my, my mother's an incredible artist actually um, but I was always shit with the paintbrush I could never Get what was in my mind yeah. onto the page through the medium of my hands. Well, different people have different canvases, you know? Yeah, so it was frustrating, but I use sound in that way. That's how I see sound. So uh, I sculpt with sound and with noise. That That's uh, that's the only way I can describe what I do when it comes to sound art. I, I have a concept and I almost see see the sound you know like when I when I look at art you know I will hear sounds and and things like that and and I'll have a response um, in a very kind of sonic way and also you know uh, vice versa you know I will just have these ideas of how I can sculpt using using the medium of sound or paint with sound you know so I can't I don't have the gift of being able to control the paintbrush but I developed it in, in that way instead so bringing that into to Last Eden was a lot of fun as well um, so what I'm working on at the moment is drone based um, if I go through all the Last Eden stuff a lot of it is very different you know it's loop based or it's minimal or it's kind of there's cosmic concepts or um Lots of kind of ethereal, kind of just guitar-based loops. So it's always been different. And at the moment, it's, a, it's an experimental drone project with a lot of improvisation. Um, and I, I love drone, you know. I just, I love drone. And if you listen to a lot of early music, you know, like, um, you'll hear the drones, you know. There'll mm. be, be a drone, like, rolling constantly. Mm-hmm. You even hear
1: drones uh, like in, taking an increasing part of Trad mm. in 2018 where you hear Lancome, uh use drone to devastating effect on that album of theirs from last yeah. year. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally beautiful like using a harmonium and just one note. Um, it's a very, very, very old practice drone, you know, medieval as well. Um, and it's just really cool because you can build on layers harmonically and mm. melodically. Or you can you can build on on single notes, you know, or the, the same note at different octaves, or you know, you can take that one note and you can manipulate it in so many different ways that you can create this this beautiful textural world, you know, just from just from one one note, you know. So I might use two to three notes. I usually kind of a chord. I love a chord, a dark chord. So you'll find a lot of my stuff be like E flat minor, G minor, you know. And it will just be built, built upon, and built upon, and built upon. So, for the last Eden release, I featured um, <coughs> an incredible musician called Ava uh, Kigon. She's a Polish artist based in Dublin, and she's a multi-instrumentalist: sax, flute, like vocals, piano, you name it. And I also feature uh, Karen Hammond, who's a vocalist. Um, and it was all recorded and improvised live. Um, so it was incredible to to capture that as well. So I'm working on the mixes at the moment, finalising the mixes for those and then I'll master them.
1: That comes at a really kind of prescient time for improv in Cork by that same token where, you know, the monthly residencies that Dan Walsh oversees from different uh, improv outfits, stuff like Not Earth, even O Emperor's final album, Uh, was almost entirely improvised and then the different bits and pieces were stuck back together (laughs) in editing uh, to create like this kind of mad phalanx of different structures running along at once. And you see it permeating so much of Cork music um, that it really kind of adds to what makes Cork unique. There isn't that fear uh, of conforming. There's that openness to collaboration and to capturing the moment um, that... You know, is so Carconian, but also is such, you know, is such a joy when it comes to drone uh, and sound art in general. We'll hear from Last Eden a little bit later on. But speaking of people that have escaped the improv circuit, uh, coming up, we've got Fixity, uh, new directions in music with Dan Walsh to give it its uh, <laughs> subtitle with "Song for Tree."
2: Yeah, great song. Um, one of my favourite pieces by Fixity. Uh, fantastic again. Look, fantastic musicians doing just. Doing what they do and doing it differently and with with passion and and expertise, um, it's just an incredible soundscape. You know, uh, Dan is a, an incredible musician. I think he really I, is. Yeah, I, I like I'm into all of the stuff he does. I think it's great. Uh,
1: you also have Elaine Malone with you.
2: Yes, uh, Elaine, fantastic as well. Like beautiful voice, beautiful songwriting, like that kind of a haunting folk element I really really love with know.
1: something to say it's like that. it's that kind of weird Venn diagram between you know, there's a strong like overarching alternative-y feel to everything that she does but there is that folk element but then her voice is so clear and distinct and soulful yep. there is that to it and it's just kind of this fantastic Venn diagram of all these things
2: yeah it's great happening you know?
1: we'll get into that in a moment we'll hear from Elaine Malone with you but first this is Fixity with Song for Tree here On Red on Red
3: you okay. die
1: Elaine Malone with you taken from her Land EP available now across all streaming services. Of course, Elaine Malone will also be playing on Sunday, December 23rd at Cypress Avenue as part of a special fundraising show put together by the music community of Cork for the Sexual Violence Centre Cork. Tickets on sale now from cypressavenue.ie Just before we wrap up this week's episode of the show, you've got a lot going on in 2019, some of which we've kind of gone into in detail. Give us a sense of what the next year or so kind of has in store for you.
2: A variety of things. I mean, so the the expansion of, um, of the studio space um, is, yep, first on the list, obviously. St- oh, where, where's the time going? Some exhibitions, studio expansion, the release of Last Eden on cassette. Uh, that would be with uh, No Rent Records, a uh, Philadelphia-based independent label. Um, there will be Girls Rock Dublin. Um, we're hoping to run two camps this year. Um, one for minors and an all age camp which we'd be really really excited about um, the possibility of collaborating again with Girls Rock School in Northern Ireland um, and again uh, further planning for more switched on events uh, so watch this space um, planning of workshops um, hosted in the bunker um, a few more collaborations and a couple of sneaky projects on the go as well so all will be revealed in time
1: Unreal. Stay tuned to Bunker Vinyl and Studio on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Bunker Vinyl on Instagram and the Bunker Studio standalone page on Facebook. That's about all from this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie. Thank you very much to Aileen for joining us this episode.
2: Thanks for having me, Mike. It's been great.
1: Thanks a million for coming along out to us. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and now Google Podcasts as well as other podcasting platforms. Please share this on your social media. And make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, be sure to listen in to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM, 104 to 106. Before you leave us, Aileen, uh, you're giving us an exclusive listen to something coming up from your tape, is that correct?
2: Yes, I am. It's uh, called Lysian Plain. So for for this particular release, um, it's conceptual. Um, the concept being Greek mythology. Um, the Elysian Plane is the in-between spaces Um, so yeah I just try to to really um, build a sonic representation of of my ideas on this so yeah enjoy this uh, exclusive preview of uh, (laughs) 10 minutes of drone and sax and crazy vocals and yeah just just go for it
1: that's precisely what you want (laughs) this has been Red on Red and we'll talk to you next week
4: on red.